0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. So, welcome everybody. Welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight we are learning for the schus of Emmanuel Ben Luiza that a should bless him for Parnasah Hatzlacha and health for his uh, uh, Mishbacha, as well as for a Fuish Lema Saras Tavis for Cassandra Bas Pulo. And, as usual, for Le'ilu Nishmas, Avram ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechaskal ben Abraham And Le'ilu Nishmas at Zechariah Shimon ben Rav Yitzchak which is Rav Zechariah Wallisin. And today we're going to use a little bit of the information I... um uh, y- I've been speaking about uh about Hakar and gratitude and there's only it's just so so happens to be that the say se- you know, Reb Zahir Wallstein safer is actually right over here, uh, you know, near my as I was cleaning my uh, my desk, we have a whole pile of farm on each side. <laughs> and I want to um you know, so tonight we're we're gonna be using a little bit of information from from Reb Zahir Wallstein and Reb Shimon Finkelman's safer. So of course that should be Le'ilay Iloi uh nishmasay. Oh we have over something else also. Um also for a Zivagagan for Hana Bas Rus. Um okay so now let let's go oh it's benishkhai jet tonight. Wow. Okay. Okay that's that's unbelievable. Special special 스 tonight. We should have utilized some information for the benishkhai. Uh but in any case maybe something will come. Who knows. We'll see. Okay so now the happens to be, when I'm thinking about the Benish Kai, there's a story that comes to mind, but it's, I don't know, we'll see if we have time to say it later. I really wanted to say it for a different part. Okay, going, moving forward to, uh, the topic at hand. So, this, Topic. I know it's like we're we're in Elul, we're getting close to Rosh Hashanah. This topic obviously is appropriate all year round, but there is, I think, huge, huge chusim coming into Elul, coming into Rosh Hashanah to work on, you know, hakar to work on the lack of a karstav, which is a kafay tov, which is ingratitude. I think that's. That's a huge, a huge mila to come into, a huge benefit to come into. Coming Rosh Hashanah, working on yourself and and improving in this area, especially between you and Echad Shabbat, between you and God. So the way that I want to speak about it tonight, God willing, may Shabbat will help us that it should come out nice and easy. This is a lot of. Uh, think of this class more of a self help style class. Like there's going to bring problems and we're going to try to bring solutions uh, to that. Obviously, we're going to bring. <laughs> a lot of Torah sources for everything that we speak about, but the idea is to try to get to a very uh practical uh, level so the last class that we spoke about ungratefulness we brought uh, we we mentioned three ideas three uh you know like sources of origins of ungratefulness now i want to we 're going to repeat that very very briefly, and then we want to go through each and every single one and sort of you know figure out how to get out of that ungratefulness so the the of the three things that we mentioned just to do a quick recap was why is it that some people are ungrateful they don't have the ability to to say thank you or to show gratitude show show the this this appreciation of what was given to them so, of the three reasons that we gave, number one is that they simply didn't realize the good. They didn't they don't realize the favor. The example that we gave is it was a simple example. I think that's very relevant, especially speaking to women, is that when someone hosts someone for Shabbos, you, there's a lot of preparation that takes place. So, you would think that someone would go and be appreciative but if somebody never hosted they don't really fully understand or realize the extent of effort that went into it so they don't appreciate to a certain extent the good again they'll say thank you but they don't not everybody realizes the extent of it so one one area of one origin let's call it of of not being grateful is simply you don't realize that you need to be grateful area number two is that, this is a little bit more, uh, you know, severe, is where you don't want to owe someone something. You don't want to, uh, if, if someone gave me something, now I owe this person, that means I have to say thank you. I don't really want to say thank you. I don't really want to owe someone anything, and therefore I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna acknowledge that there was something good that was given to me. So it's sort of like this mental block that gets placed that we don't begin to even see the good. And the third and the third step, the third, uh, uh, I guess, area, which we mentioned was entitlement. People feel that they deserve something. And if they deserve something, you you owe this to me. So I have to say thank you. This is your job. This is what you have to do. So we'll try to Adashem, go through each of these three categories and see how we can overcome it. And by the way, you know, I, I was thinking about this. And you might think, you know what, maybe I'm in, you know, in one section, not all three. If you really think about it. And again, to each their own, I'm not going to, you know, like you do you. But if you really think about it, I think we could all come to the conclusion that we we fall a little bit, at least, into each of these three categories. Uh, maybe one bucket more than the other. But I, but it's, you know, like when you think, okay, I don't want to owe someone something, like I'm not that personality. But if you really think about it and you really go and delve into you do a little bit of a chashban anafish, you do a little bit of this, you do a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of inter... You know inspection, then you'll have a little bit more of an understanding. I'm sorry, guys with the you know with the internet issues i don't know I see that you guys are sending the messages. Let me see if I could switch to a different uh, um internet. Hold on one second uh no, I'm actually on my fi- fastest one I don't know okay, I'm gonna keep on going if it's still stopping, just like let me know I'll pause the video and then we'll you know it might need like a sometimes i don't know um I want to say the word buffer, but it's i it, I'm a ha- pretty fast internet, so I don't know. But if it keeps on happening, please, please do put it up on the screen. Okay, so now let's start off with the three things. So we're going to start off with what I think is the most common one. And the most common one is the first one where it's you don't realize the good that was given to you. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't understand the, that you have to be appreciative and again, it could be for many different reasons. You don't know the work that was gone into it. You don't realize that it was a favor. We're not going to go into all the details, but the bottom line is you don't realize that you have to say thank you. So, there is a Pasuk in Bamidbar, chapter 21, verse 5. And it, it's, it speaks about the Jewish people that they went and they complained. And they go over to Moshe Rabbeinu and it says, Why did you take us out, out of Egypt? To die in the desert. There's no bread. If there's no water. It so all we have is this, this, this rotten bread, and you think about what is the rotten bread that they think that they're talking about? And Rashi goes and says the rotten bread. You know what the rotten what they call the rotten bread? That was the man. The man. The reason why they called it. Rashi goes and explains why they called it <coughs> rotten bread is the man was completely absorbed into their limbs. It was not excreted. There was no bowel movement. So they called it rotten because, like, you know, like... There's going to have to be some sort of, you know, damage. Is there any... You can't digest something without any excretion. That's part of the human process. So the punishment, because the Jewish people complained about the mud, is the the famous punishment. We know that the serpents, the the, the snakes, they came and they attacked the Jewish people and killed many of them. Now the Medrash goes on and explains... That why is it specifically that the snakes attack the Jewish people, and the reason is very interesting. When you look at how Hakadosh Baruch Hu does everything, measure for measure, that the snake spoke ill, obviously bad about uh, um, you know Hakadosh Baruch and and the the you know the Eitz the Hadass and how you have to, you could go and it, basically the snake went and convinced other makaba to eat from the forbidden fruit. And because it convinced them, the snake's punishment was that it was denied the gift of taste. Everything now that the snake would eat would taste like dust. The man, on the other hand, had an unbelievably amazing quality. That whatever the person was thinking about, that is what it tasted like. Meaning that you could think about Any food or any taste that you want, and that is the taste that it it, uh, happened. It's like, you know, what was it? Like, you know, like something that comes out of like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like Willy Wonka type of thing, like where it comes up and you can just think about something. And then, not that they can create anything like this, but like that that fantasy type of, of, you know, you can't even begin to comprehend it. It's like science fiction. How do you just think about something and that's what it tastes like? So what happened was is they had something that had everything but they didn't. They, they took it for granted. So now they got punished by something that has nothing. Everything, you know, like to, to the exact opposite. Now what happened was is that the, the snake started going. The snake started going and attacking the Jewish people. So what Moshe Rabbeinu did is that he made a copper snake and he put it up on the stick. And everybody who looked up on the snake was able to go and be healed. Now obviously the snake, this copper snake, had no no uh, healing power. So what happened over here, that they looked up and they saw from this copper snake and they were healed. Rather, what happened was they looked up and they, they started doing tshuva. They started doing repentance. Why? Because they realized their source of their sin. They realized their lack of gratitude that they have. They, they saw the snake, the snake which everything is tasteless. And they had everything, all the tastes. They realized the depths of their gratitude. They realized how long they were and then they did tshuva and then they were able to be saved. So what happened was, is that this copper snake made them realize, not only the copper snakes, the snakes themselves, it was sort of a hint, measure for measure, making them realize of what they had compared to, you know, the snake. Now you take it a step further. Rabbi Shimshon Rafal Hirsch goes and says that the Hashem did not actually send snakes to attack the people. They were in the desert, the Midbar. This was a natural habitat for snakes. This is where snakes live, dwell, this is, this is their, their feeding ground. So what happened was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put this protective, you know, cover, put the, the protection around them, and when the time came for the punishment, all HaKadosh Baruch Hu did was remove that protection. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu removed that, that protective shield, then the snakes that were there all along, they just came along out of, the, you know, all out of their crevices and behaved in their natural way, in their, in their own habitat. So we see over here a very important lesson that sometimes you have someone that benefits us continuously. And we get this benefit. And you can fill in who this person is, whether it's your parent, your spouse, your friend, it doesn't matter. I, many, many people benefit us continuously. And we take this for granted. You know, as as human nature does, we take it for granted. And it is only when something causes a, a this temporary suspension of that giving that we're getting, and we stop receiving that, then all of a sudden we realize how like how much we needed that, and how much we appreciate that, and how much how much how grateful we should be. You know, like the famous example that you could give is where you have a husband who's sitting over there and doesn't appreciate his wife's cooking, and then his wife has to you know leave for a, you know a family event and flies out for like I don't know a week or so. And now this husband is there to fend for himself, even though now the Jewish women are unbelievable. And what they do is, is that they'll prepare all the meals and stick it in the freezer and says you just take this and put it in the microwave. But let's say this, you know, this wife didn't do it. This husband be like, well, I have to cook. Like, I, you know, like, what do I got? Like, we're pans. What's, like, they could go crazy. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then you start realizing, wow, look how grateful I have. My wife goes and does all this. Co- you know how much work goes into cooking? Anybody who has cooked anything, it's it. You know, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. We have to go and start appreciating, but as men, we don't really appreciate until we start actually cooking. And then there's a prep. Then there's, there's a shopping. Then there's a prep. Then there's the cooking. Then there's the cleaning. Then there's setting up. And then there's the dishing out. Then there's the cleaning up afterwards. It's, it's a full-time job. So we don't, you know, like a husband, would not always realize... All that his wife does until the wife doesn't do it anymore, and then be like, wait a minute, you know, like, I really have something over here, uh, you know, to be grateful. Over here, I could, Baruch who protected the Yiddin. And now all of a sudden the protection went away, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, like, we need this protection. We didn't even begin to realize, oh, we had this protection. How many times in our own life do, you know, we only realize what we had until it's gone? You know, the, the famous example is people. You know, like, how many people that are no longer in our life? Whether or not living or whether or not, you know, integrally connected to us the way that it used to be. Like how much it would be like, oh wow, you know how, you know, like I took that person for granted. Look at how much, I wish I could have another moment with that person. I wish I could do it. You know, like, and it's never, u- by the way, it's never usually, I wish that person could give me a little bit more. You know, generally, right? In a healthy situation, it's never that way. But when we think about it, <clears throat> we don't realize generally what we have until it's taken away. It could be our health. You don't realize, you know, if someone's not suffering from allergies or something like that, you're not always blowing your nose, you're coughing, you have different, you know, sinuses, you have headaches, you have post-nasal drips, you have all these things, you don't begin to realize it, and then you don't begin to realize the... Benefit of not having the sickness. And then once you have the sickness, you're like, wow, how did I, how do I take breathing for granted? You know, like people that went through COVID, you know, unfortunately, and at this point in time, there's like cycles and at Baruch Hashem, you know, it's, it's gotten lighter for, for, you know, different cycles. But, you know, in the original COVID, when people had a hard time breathing, when you when you're dealing with that difficulty, you're like, wow, I never appreciated taking a breath. I never appreciated the, the fact of breathing. I never, you know, you have a headache. You could begin to appreciate when the headache goes away and be like, wow, I feel like great. Like, wait, I don't have any back pain? Like, you know, like, is, what does that even mean? Like, people that suffer from chronic pain, they, they are always with that. And imagine they're stopped for, for like a f- short period of time that they don't have that pain. It's like, wait, this is how people live? Like, this is how people, you know, go through life? This is unbelievable. Yet you have people that are completely healthy and they don't appreciate that. They don't appreciate that somebody who has been through just like minor health issues can begin to appreciate what health really is. <clears throat> so we don't appreciate something until it's taken away, and then we realize what we actually had. And it could also be situational. It doesn't have to be people. It could be health. It could be situational. Even to the fact that you know you have a younger person, and again, again, what would define younger? Depending on who, who who we're talking to, but you have a younger younger people. There's less responsibilities. There's less things. There's more. We don't realize, you know, how many times when you get older, you'd be like, wow, when I was younger, I didn't have to do... I didn't have this bill. I didn't have to do that. You know, I didn't have this responsibility. I had like so much... Like, why didn't I appreciate that more? Well, guess what? You're younger right now than you will be in the future. So appreciate what you have right now. Stop for a second and don't wait until you're going to lose something. And then you could look back and be like, wow, you know, I can't believe, you know, I... Didn't appreciate that like that, that was so amazing. We have to many times in our life. We focus too much on the future and We never live in the present And we're always about the next step and the next thing that we're going to conquer and the next thing that we're going to do. And we're like, okay, we're going to get the kids and then get the kids in school. And then we're going to get, and then we're going to go on vacation. You're always on the next step and you're never in the moment. And if you're never in the moment, you can't begin to appreciate. And even when we're in the moment, generally we're on our phones taking pictures of the moment. So we'll remember it later, but we're still never in the moment. You never, like, I'm not saying don't take pictures. I think pictures are amazing and it's a good memory to have. But like, stop for like a little bit in your life doesn't matter where you are, just like once a day, just you're driving, just like stop and be like, you know, let me appreciate life for just like a little bit, for a little bit. So the step one is that you have to realize the blessings that you have. We have so many blessings in our life and we tend to forget these blessings and then we tend to be ungrateful or not, you know, grateful for the things that we should be. Because we don't realize what we have. We don't realize until it's taken away. We don't realize what we have until the Akadosh Barucho takes something away and then all of a sudden we wake up. The trick is to wake up before it's taken away and appreciate it. The Gemara Mbava Basra, page 16b, goes and says <clears throat> that when someone's in pain or suffering, that person is not held res- accountable, responsible if they say something negative. For example, in the beginning of uh, Parsha's Chukas, when the Jewish people lost the source of water, they were thirsty, they complained. And Hashem did not hold them accountable. Because why? Well, he understood that they were experiencing the, you know, thirst. So they did not hold them accountable. Ask rabbi Moshe Reisman. Then why is it that the first Pasek that we mentioned over here at the beginning of this year, in Bamidbar, chapter 21, verse 5, why is it that when they comp- the Jewish people complained, Agnes Rahu did hold them accountable. They were complaining about, they were, they were also complaining. If you're complaining, that means you have a right to complain, because, you know, something's bothering you, so you have a right to complain. So why are we accountable in one area and not in another area? And the answer is is that the Jewish people did not complain only in the issue that they were dealing with. They started complaining about other things as well. They started speaking derogatory about the month. It wasn't just about that there's no food, we're in the desert, there's nothing to drink. They didn't stop over there. Like if they would have stopped over there, that would have been one thing. But they started complaining for the positive things. They started complaining about the month. Amazing, amazing gift, the month. So when someone goes and complains about something that they're going through some difficulty, that's understandable. But once you start complaining about something that's a benefit for you, how is that like that, you know, that you took a step too far. And this is why complaining and ungratefulness is a very, very slippery slope. Because once you start complaining or once you start having ungratefulness, it doesn't just stop on the negative side. It continues to all the positive side, and, and you can see this in people. You have when someone's a positive person, they can see the positive in the negative. When someone's a negative person, they see the negative in the positive. Again, let me repeat that just so if it didn't, you know, confuse you. If someone's a, a, a positive person, there could be a bad situation, and they could see the good in that. A negative person can have a good situation and see the bad in that. They could like win the lottery, and the first thing they think about, well, how much taxes I'm gonna have to give. Okay, we're, that's what you're worried about. Like, you're ready. You got some good news. And now, already, you got to think about something bad. You got to already go focus on the bad. So, once you start going in the negative, it's a very, very slippery slope because it goes, you could start off in the correct, but then you're going to start saying, Oh, well, now everybody wants me to give them money. Now, everybody wants me to open up a business. Plan. Now, and you could keep on going on a slippery slope until the point you're like, Why do I have all this? You could start complaining about all the blessings that you have. Let's take this one step further. The pasuk chapter eleven, verse one, the the uh, another another part in the in the Torah Kodeshah that speaks about where the Yidden complained, and it says The Jewish people they were like they were like complainers, and it says kimisainanim they were like complainers. Explains Rabbi Sacher Fran. He brings down the Ramban. The Ramban says, what does it mean? Why is the Torah saying they were like complainers? Like, they were complainers. What was a sign them They were like the complainers. So the Ramban goes and explains that something we spoke about before, a few minutes ago. When people speak out of hurt and pain, to a certain degree, if they're whining, they have a legitimacy to their whining. When people are in pain, it's natural for them to complain. Someone's in the hospital He's in pain. So they say things that maybe sometimes he wouldn't say, like, why is God doing this to me? I don't deserve this. You know, things that just come up that is, is more of the natural, you know, assuming people are not working on themselves and not on the highest level of the, it's a, it's a natural response. So when people get upset and they are complaining, they're not really complainers. They're like complaining. Kim is him. They're like they're complainers. So, the Ramban is saying over here that the people were like complainers. They were in a bad situation. They were in a difficult situation. So, they, they complained. But, they weren't complainers. They were like complainers. They were complaining about the situation, meaning that was like a situational thing. So the Ramban goes and says, so if so, why is it that a Baruch Baruch, why was God upset with them? Like, they were, they were complaining because of the situation. Why were they upset with them? So, the Ramban goes, Ramban goes and says that, you know, the Jewish people should have followed God with the attitude based on all the goodness, all the chesed, all the kindness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provided them. When things are going so well, when a person has so much good fortune, it's inappropriate to complain. Of course there's going to be challenges in life. There's always. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be bumps in the road. But when we look at our lives, most of us are... Pretty fortunate. If you look at the overall picture of things, most of us have overall decent health, overall decent families, overall a roof over a shoulder. You have like a lot of good in your life. You have the ability to taste. You have the ability to eat. You have the ability to smell. You have the ability to look. You have the ability to to walk. You have the ability to to, to feel. There's so many blessings in our lives. And yes. It may not be 100%. We may be going through some, you know, severe allergies. We may be going through some back pains or neck pains or jaw pains. We may be going through some difficulties and some bumps. And that's true, you know, like we can't complain. But the Ramban is saying that's not the right thing to do. We have to look at the big picture. There is so much blessing and bracha that's in our life. And even though we have these little bumps, when you look at the overall picture, when you look at the bird's eye view, you look at the unbelievable blessings that we have. So the step three from the first area that we're speaking about, that even if you don't complain on the good that you have, when you look at the bad that you're dealing with and then you see how much good you have, you start weighing that out, how can you complain? Meaning we look at the big picture. How can we be ungrateful for something when we have so much to be grateful for? So we took this into three steps. Let's just do a quick recap before I move on to the next area. We took the first area into, uh, you know, into three steps. Again, the first area was why are people ungrateful? They just don't realize it. So step one is to open your eyes and realize the blessings that you have realize that i could you know like imagine like the people in the, in the desert they had you know the the protection the protective shield of what and they only re, they only realized that they had something good when who took it away when took away the, the the protection and all of a sudden the snakes came then they realized they were in trouble so if we stop for a second and we look back and be like look at the blessings that we have in our life don't wait for God to take it away we don't want god to take it away it's Hu, I don't want you to take, I want you to keep on bringing me more and more blessings, keep them coming and I'm going to go and appreciate every single blessing because when we look at our life, the fact that you have air conditioning, heating, you have lighting you have running water you have every, there's so much to be grateful for don't wait until you have a leak and then you'll be like, wow I should be so grateful that I don't have a leak you know like some people the, the gas has to be shut off because there's some sort of you know the, who knows what issues can come up stop for a second this is why I feel it's so important that we, you know on a daily basis we go and tell Kedesh thank you and we have to sometimes think think out of the box don't you know, it's easy to say always the same things to be thankful for. But sometimes it's good to think out of the box. Like, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I have a, you know, into my apartment, into my home, whatever you are living, that I have a water line. And that I have electricity. And I have a gas line. Like, these are things like, you know, like... And not only that, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I don't have a leak in, in one of them. And not only that, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that, you know, that they all work more or less okay. Like, there's so many things that can be taken away and then we realize what great we had. You know, when you have a blackout... So where I live in New Jersey Every once in a while There is uh You know A blackout And uh, There's a storm You know like A lot of trees in the area So Once there is a blackout, you start beginning to appreciate it. You know, where I live, there's, you know, if there's a blackout, there's no running water, there's no, like, obviously there's no lights, there's no electricity, there's no, you start realizing, wait a minute, like, we need this electricity, like, really badly. Like, like, you know, you can't survive. Like, when there's, like, a blackout for, like, a minute, you, like, start, like, wait, wait, what? Like, I'm not even talking about the Wi-Fi. Like, you know, like, that's a, that's a, like, a younger person, like, like, literally surviving is, like, is, like a situation. But you stop for a second and be like, wait a minute, I, I have electricity. Like, how big of a bracha is that? Like, do we do we understand the, like, craziness of what's going on right now? Like, there are people, when I'm looking at it, I know throughout America, possibly Israel, I don't know if, I don't want to call out your name if you're still in Israel, but, like, possibly a more than one continent Not only listening to us share live, but like you're, you're seeing it, you're interacting, you can so easily, quickly like just like type in a question. Do we realize how connected we are? This is based off electricity. This is based off like the internet. Like, do we realize the blessing that we have? This didn't exist 15 years ago. This was not shy. This was not possible. Do we like stop for a second and realize we could be in the comfort of our own home and be listening to our classes if we're sitting in the class, you know, itself? Like, like we don't begin to realize it. Again, I this is like a not a good complaint, but like to the point that even if it's like buffering a little bit, it's not clear. Like, well, you know, like something, you know, like we should we should email Zoom. You know, there's an issue over here. What's going on over here? It should be more smoother. Like, we start. We, we don't even begin to like. Again, I didn't say this. At, as I'm saying this, by the way, it's telling me my connection is unstable. So yeah, like I, because is, you know, like there's definitely a sense of humor, right? So. So um, the I apologize. I know it's freezing. I don't know what to do. It's um, uh, you know I can't unfreeze it. There's like no button that I could uh, press. I could try to switch to a different uh, um, network, but I don't know that that's going to uh, that that's going to help. Um, but I will I will switch it to a different network. Hopefully hopefully that would uh, that will work. If it's worse, please let me know because I'll switch it back. But anyways. Like the unbelievably the the you know it's so funny because like literally what i 'm speaking about is what his brother who says you know what let's throw let's throw a bolt in there, but like, now we can begin to appreciate it more like when it's smooth, you can begin to appreciate more like think about it when someone's going and listening to this on any time afterwards and it's smooth there's no breaks, there's no nothing in there like that's a that's an unbelievable bracha you know when I go and I listen to Shirim, let's say of like you know Rabbanin that were from I don't know. There's recordings from them. Yeah, Rab Shimshim you go Rab Noch Weinberg, like them that are no longer around over here. The audio is like not always easy to listen to and you have to like really, you know, like concentrate. And now we have audio that's so crisp. You have, you know, shout out to Sennheiser. I don't know, like this is our, you know, our audio, uh, you know, devices. Like, where things can come so crystal clear, and and only in the matter of time, it's only going to get clear. Do we begin to appreciate all these things? We don't even like we don't even realize that we have to have a car so We don't even realize that we have to be grateful for it because we think like okay, you know, like we don't begin to think. So the step over here that we have to to, to focus is take a step back in life and realize that we have blessings in our life, and then we went to step two that. Once you start not realizing these blessings, you could go to complaints and ungratefulness. And that's a slippery slope, because once you start complaining, once you start being ungrateful, it could start with a negative, but then it could go to the positive. And then we took it to step three, the next, the final step, which was that even if you don't complain on the good and you only complain on the bad, how can you overlook the good? There's so much good that God has given us. So the main theme, if we were, in this area of not seeing the good in our life is to realize to realize how much blessings we have and once you realize the blessings that you have then you can begin to be grateful like we could be ungrateful people not because we we are ungrateful people just because we don't even begin to realize how much we have to be grateful for So we started off, you know, like the series where like so many people are ungrateful and like, okay, but like, I'm really not so ungrateful. But now when you take it in the bigger picture, I don't know, maybe we're a little bit ungrateful. Maybe there's, and by ungrateful, maybe we have to be more grateful to many things. And of course, the the, the source of gratitude that we have to have is is to God. How many things can we now open our eyes? and just simply say thank you for. And I can guarantee you if you stop for a second and you think about it, like if a kid is in is in a school, like that is an amazing thing. Not not every kid is in a school. That's something to be grateful for and thankful for. Like there there are so you're in college, you have a you have a job. It might not be paying you what you want. You might be miserable, but but you have you're making income. You're making some money. Like there's so many things that if we just Take a step back that we realize, just realize maybe how ungrateful or not grateful enough that we have been. And there are unfortunately people that, uh, th- you know, they don't see their blessing. One of these type of people was Bilam, Bilam of Russia. Bilam was, you know, the famous story with Bilam and his donkey that uh, Bilam, he wanted to go and curse the Jewish people. Akkadosh Baruch who God told him no do not curse the Jewish people but he decided he went back and forth and decided he's going to go curse uh, you know the Jewish people so he was on his way to meet the to meet with Balak the king of Moab and uh, the, he was riding on his donkey and the road was blocked now Bilaam didn't see this but the donkey saw it there was an angel blocking it so the donkey tried to go to one side and the angel blocked that area and so the Donkey had to go to the other side. And the angel blocked that area as well. So the donkey just sat down. And every time that the donkey moved, Bilaam just hit it. Like, why are you not going? And now there was a miracle that happened. This donkey turned around to Bilaam and started conversing with him in language that Bilaam understood. he be like, Billum, what's up, man? Like, what you doing? And Billum just like, for whatever reason, Bilaam be like, I don't know why it doesn't say that. Like, you can talk? Like, that doesn't mention, he just continued talking to me, like, you know, like, he's like, he goes over to, the donkey goes over to Bill and be like, you know, did I ever, like, you know, stride you wrong? Like, well, I was a faithful donkey to you. And we're not going to go into all what that means, but, you know, whoever knows what we're talking about knows what we're talking about. But the donkey was started talking to, to you know, to Bill. He says, you know, you've ridden me all your life. Have ever you, st- taken you on the side? Like, have I ever did something wrong to you? And, and Bill was forced to be like, no. And then you know, like, if you stop there for a second, be like, what's going on over here? Like, you know, the Bilaam's donkey, the fact that this B- Bilaam's donkey was able to speak, that was already, like, in creation by the sixth day of creation. Like, God already created the mouth of the donkey. Look at Pirkei Elvis. God already created the mouth of the donkey that's going to be able to speak already since the, the beginning of creation. Why is that so important that it's in the beginning of creation? And the lesson is, and this is one of the things Rebecca every brings down, the lesson is, the basic lesson of, of the concept of Akar Satov, Like, Bill, how are you so ungrateful to your donkey? This is your donkey who you've ridden on your whole life. This is you spent so much time with this donkey. Where is your gratitude? Not only that, God granted you the gift of prophecy. Do we know what that... You know how hard, if a Jew wants to have a level of prophecy, when prophecy, you know, exists, that you have to work on such a high level. We spoke about it, we spoke about, you know, the prophecy in previous series. You know how hard it is to become a prophet? How much work you have to do? Bill just got it as a gift. Like, he didn't earn it. He got a gift of prophecy. <clears throat> and Akhenatenbachu gave him this gift. And, and the, you know, he's talking to Akhenatenbachu, can I go curse the Jews? No, I want to go. Okay, Akhenatenbachu said, fine, you go. You know, like, where's your gratitude to God? God gave you this gift. God said, no, don't curse the Jews. Don't go. Like, the end of conversation. He gave you the greatest gift, conversing with the Almighty. Like, what's greater than that? So Bilaam had ungratefulness to God himself. But not only that, he also had ungratefulness to his donkey. His donkey also, what I, and not only that, he never learned his lesson. When he was stuck in the road, and he couldn't go to either side, he was talking to his donkey, all of a sudden, you know, Bill's eyes opened up, so to speak, and Bilaam saw the, you know, the angel. And Bilaam sees the angel over here, and he still, he says, oh, I have sinned, Bilaam says. I did not know that you were standing opposite me. Bilaam never mentioned anything about his behavior, about hitting his donkey. He was ungrateful to the end in all areas because Bilaam was an ungrateful person. Bilaam was someone that could see the gratitude, cannot see the blessing, the, the benefit that he had. Now, we don't want to be on a level of a Bilaam. We don't want to be like that. How much blessings do we have in our life and how many times that it opens our eyes and be like, look at this blessing. Look at the bracha that you have in your life. We stop for a second and we think about it. Our, our, we should fill up with joy. So we have to be so careful not to be an ingrate. We have to open our eyes. There's always room for improvement. Every single one of us over here. Oh, what a huge, you, you want to come into El? you want to come into Rosh Hashanah, something big? Start saying thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Start saying God, like you know, like I owe you so much. And we we come to El, we come to Rosh Hashanah, and, and again, rightfully so, we have a whole list of things. Like we want this year to be better than last year, like and and, and rightfully so, right? We're going, we're speaking to the King of Kings, and every like everything's going to get judged, and everything's going to happen. What's going to happen the following year? It's going to be coming up really, really soon. So we want to have a good year. But how many of us stop for a second and be like, you know what, God, like thank you for the previous year. Like I'm alive. Like I'm still here. Not a lot of people are here. Like there's so many things that we could be thankful for. And even like okay, people that are live, I wouldn't say to do the live. I mean I should really I should really finish my sentences. People that are listening to this share live right now, you know, like don't do this. But if you're listening to this on a, on a recording, pause this share right now. Pause this share right now and like just like say God thank you for like letting me live till now. There's like so many things that, that I can be thankful for. Then unpause and then continue listening to the share. <laughs> um, okay, but anyways, so that was that was step number uh, two. So now, oh, actually no, that was step number one. We're still on step number one. Oh my gosh. According to the time, I'm supposed to be up to step number three already. Okay, step number two. Let's, let's, let's try to speed this up a little bit because I want to get all these three things in one class. Step number two Area number two, uh, area of like where someone is ungrateful is uh, that uh, people don't want to owe someone something. Like if I acknowledge that you have given me something, then, you know, it's a problem because then now now I owe you. And I, I don't want to owe you. People, you know, don't want to owe anybody else. The origin where I feel the stems so from, uh, maybe I should say one of the origins because uh, I, I, we could technically break it up into two. But the origin I want to focus on. And i feel it's a big origin it stems from arrogance, pride like you did something for me but now if if i if i acknowledge that then i owe you and and people don't like owing you because you know like you know you know who i am like i, I don't need to i don't need to owe you like i you know like i'm self sufficient i am you know on a higher level than uh than you and you know it's sort of like a like a lowering of a you know of a standard. So, the of Saraman goes and brings down the, the opposite, obviously, of arrogance, is humility. Again, huge thing to focus on before, before Rosh Hashanah. Also, if you're listening to this afterwards, huge thing to focus on anytime. Uh, humility is the greatest of all, you know, the, of the positive, you know, character traits. The Egera the, the the Saraman goes and brings down that someone who is humble someone who is humble has the merit that the shekhinah rests upon him you know like that doesn't say that out of all the character traits you know, when you're humble when you're on the lower level you don't have that arrogance you can recognize and appreciate the good that others do for you if you're such on a high level you can't even see the good you have to lower yourself to in order to be able to see the good and to begin to begin appreciating the good Now, i want to take a little bit of a sidetrack an idea that I spoke about many times before, on, uh, you know, like, uh, this idea that, uh, obviously, this is very, very dear to me, and that's why I bring it up all the time, um, uh, and that's the idea where people don't believe in God, don't believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the atheism. Atheism, one of, its, one of its origins, is stems from arrogance. The idea is, and then we spoke about this before, is, is how can you say that something doesn't exist unless you know everything that exists? I want to give you an example I didn't give before. So imagine you have uh, a you know a storage unit auction. Uh, so so basically there is these storage units that people store things in there. And now let's say if someone stopped paying and they're not a reachable anymore, there is a lot of fees that you know. Counter up. So what happens is the storage unit companies, they go and they auction off. They open up the storage unit. You're able to look inside. You, I don't know if you're able to go inside. I don't know all the details of it. You're able to see it from outside and you're able to look and you're able to see, okay, how much I want to bid and you get all the garbage, I mean, all the stuff inside that uh, that's, you could, you could uh, um, bid to take to take all that. And this is how they recoup some of their uh, loss and their rental fees. So imagine this scenario. You go and you have a family, a friend, an acquaintance that has this facility. And he says, listen, there is a big talk about this storage unit. The guy is gone. No one's saying, it. there's going to, they're going to be auctioning it off. Um, and you know, like, he starts giving you the advice, you know, a little bit before the auction. And, uh, again, legal or not, it's a fictitious example. So it's legal in my fictitious world. So, uh, it, you go into this, um, into this, uh, uh, you know, well, you can't go into it. You see this storage unit, and you look into it, and you see a bunch of boxes neatly piled up, beautifully neatly, like very, very, like everything was very, very meticulous. And you're like, what's so special about this about this unit? And the owner says, says like, the owner of this unit was like a crazy scientist. He was a mad scientist. What happened was, is that this scientist, he made he created a mouse now this mouse ma- is a genetically mutated mouse if you get disgusted by the word mouse then he created this genetically mutated beautiful looking little puppy i don't know whatever it is that the, that doesn't matter genetically mutated little tiny animal and now it wasn't just genetically mutated there was like Computer parts with the natural parts it was all created from like no, there was no mother, there was no father it was like it was a, like like a, a complete like the, the whole entire scientific world was going crazy over it. He created it, he showed it, he displayed it, and then what happened was he disappeared. this mouse puppy disappeared right, depending on what you want, so you could choose which part of the story you want let 's do mouse or puppy. he disappeared, and no one heard from this guy, no one saw from this mouse puppy again like it was. Gone, you know, like it was off the radar. People are looking for it, and later they found out that this was his storage unit. This is his storage unit. It says this, this is why this is such a big deal. Now this guy, this guy, he didn't write any notes. He was he was like a genius. Everything was in his head. The only way, like every this, if they're able to find this mouse puppy genius, you know, robotic thingy, uh, Majingi. Uh, which was what's legal scientific name uh, he if you're able to find that then the scientist could like reverse engineer it and try to figure out what he did and then start to figure out all the breakthrough technology that he was able to uh, to put in place so needless to say there's a lot of money Rod. once word gets out that this mad scientist created this genetically mutated you know mouse puppy you know dealio in here forget it it's going to go off the off the rocker but we don't know what's inside. We can't go inside you know, unless a person buys it and that's the person is able to go inside. So this guy, the owner, is telling you as a, you know, a friend, be like, I can't let you inside, but I can open it up. I can show you that there's cameras. We have access to the cameras. You could study it and you could see if you want to bid into it. Now you spend their days before the auction and you're looking at the cameras and you're look you're looking for some sign is there where's the mouse puppy like where is this you know computer animal like like you know is it there you're trying to look for movement food you know feed you're trying to see everything but you don't see anything Now the day comes for the auction can you say that there's no mouse puppy that lives in there you don't you don't really know like you didn't see anything but you don't really know whether it's there or not like maybe it's in one of the boxes maybe it's on the table maybe it did not move maybe it doesn't have to eat so often there's so many un- there's so many variable variables that you just don't know that it could be it still could be there you didn't see anything but it's still very likely that it's there when can you go and you say there's no mouse puppy in this in this storage unit when you purchase the unit and you go inside and you start searching every crevice every corner, every nook and you come out every box everything is clean there's nothing there only then you can say it doesn't ex- it's, not, it's not in the storage unit and even then you're going to start questioning yourself maybe it's in its walls maybe it's on the ground maybe it's on the roof maybe you, there's always more than you can start questioning yourself so in order for you to come to a correct conclusion of whether or not this mouse puppy exists in this area you have to search and research everything <clears throat> with that simple knowledge, with that simple piece of information that I just provided with you, the simple story about this mouse puppy, if someone comes and says that there is no God, that did they search every corner, every crevice? And even if they did, did they look under it? Like maybe it's they didn't even know how to begin to looking for it. And the answer is, of course, they didn't. They, so how could someone go? How could someone go and say that they're an atheist? How could someone go and say that there's no God? When you didn't search every nook and every cranny, every search, every, you know, like there's so much, the world is huge, the universe is, is, is tremendous. How can you say that there is no God? And the answer is one of it, one of the reasons. It stems from arrogance, pride, pretentious, like, you know, behavior. The underlining reason, you know, of one of the many, is that if there is a God, then I need to listen to this God. And if I need to listen to this God, then I have to thank this God for what he has given me and I don't want to feel in debt I want to live my life the way that I want to live my life so atheism does it atheism does, pushes God out of the picture there's no consequences I could do what I want to do I usually test this theory when I speak to atheists I don't tell them this whole background story unless they listen to this class and they're beginning to hear a little bit of my background over the, over the classes I've, I've Put in a little bit of my thought process behind what I do, Uh, but one of the things that I ask them is: uh, Has a miracle ever happened to you? Now, everybody has a miracle happen on some level. Now, it's it's impossible, statistically speaking, that a miracle never happened to you, because some anomaly. If something happened out of the ordinary. That's already something that could be identified as miraculous. But I don't explain that to them because then they could identify it as a statistical anomaly. They could just like statistical, you know, like it, it just will happen, if, you know, at some point in time. But that's statistically speaking. But when I use the word miracle, I said, has a miracle ever happened to you? Many times, I've gotten, you know, one or two atheists that said that a miracle does happen. And then, you know, we go through a roundabout circle until they realize that they're agnostic. At least we move to a different level. But... When I speak to an atheist, and say, no, no miracle has ever happened to me. Like, why would someone say that? Like, like what would be the underlining reason? Like, obviously, something miraculous. You're, you're in this world for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, 15 years. I don't know how you can be an atheist at 15 years. You don't even have brains, you know, fully functioning. But, like, whatever it is, you have some sort of, you know, like, history and this earth for more than a, a period of time that you're able to converse with me. So, you have to be older than five, six, seven, eight. In the past 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 years, there was no miraculous thing that happened to you. You didn't almost get into an accident. You didn't almost go, you were in the right place. right? There's so many things that I could bring up as an example that was like, wait a minute. That was like, you know, like really out of the, like how did that even begin to happen? Like, you know, like there's so many things that had to fall into place in order for me to to be where I was and get what I was and have what I was. So how come a person who doesn't believe in God cannot come to the understanding that a miracle happened? Again, not everybody, but a big majority. And the answer is, is because a miracle, I have to associate it with some higher power. I have to associate it with something. And if I have to, so, then I have to start, then I owe gratitude. Then I have to like thank that person. No, 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 no. I don't want to think. You know, I can't tell you how many, how many atheists that I spoke to that were just, they were not atheists because they were angry at God. So like, the, you know, it's like whatever. but like, It's a different story in itself. But like, they were angry at God that means you believe in God you were just angry at it but their focus was just on the negative so once you start realizing that there is a miracle that means I have to start being thankful if I have to start being thankful then I owe and if I owe then I have to do and I don't want to do I like the way that I I want to do what I want to do I don't want to do what somebody else wants to do I don't want to do what some being wants to do I don't want to do what the Torah wants. I want to do what I want to do so we go and it comes from a from a, from a source of arrogance and pride like you don't tell me what to do I want to live my life and I can't I could get in trouble, especially if I go down this path, which I'm thinking of. But I'm probably not. Maybe I don't know because of the late. If not, I probably would have gone down this path. But like when you go to certain political correctness and pronouns and different things that people, you know, delve into, that's pure arrogance. That's pure arrogance. The the idea of like identifying pronouns. You don't speak to somebody in a pronoun. You speak to them about about someone's pronoun. If so you don't know what I'm talking about, good. Don't just like blank out for the next like five minutes or, or two minutes. I don't know how long I'm going to go on this tangent. I just... This is whatever. Blah. Anyways, when you speak about someone's... Pro, you don't speak about them in, in front of them. You're speaking about someone's pronoun behind their back. Like about somebody else. You say he or she or now unfortunately say they, them, whatever it is. How do you tell somebody? It's like, you know, when you speak about me behind my back, I want you to go and speak at me in this pronoun. They're like... A, Excuse you, like who are you? Like, uh, you Lord and Majesty is now my pronoun. Like, like, this is how I have to identify you because this is how you decide to identify. Like, I'm not speaking to you as they, them. I don't, I don't, you don't speak to somebody. When you're speaking to somebody, you don't say he. You don't say she, you say you or your name. You know, you know. So you go behind their back, now you're telling me that's pure arrogance. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I have to now speak about the way that you want behind your back. Like, to, like you're telling me how to think. Like, you know, like, like, relax, you know, take a step back over here. Again, I could go on a tangent. I could really go on a tangent, but I'm going to stop myself. Um, But the idea is there's a lot of arrogance and there's a lot of pride when we go and we push God out of the picture. And we push miracles out of the picture. And we push when someone does something beneficial for us. We put it out. We push it out. Why? Because it's like, I don't want to owe you. I don't want to give you the, the gratitude because if I give you gratitude, that means I owe you. And if I owe you, that means I have to give back some to you. I, I don't want that. So what happens is people refuse to say thank you. People refuse to show gratitude because I don't want to owe. And one of the origins, one of the sources is for because of gratitude. Furthermore, an arrogant pride, prideful person, they have a very difficult time studying under a mentor a rabbi or things like that and I've spoken to people who are like I don't have I can't find a rabbi how could you not there are so many people like a rabbi doesn't have to be greater than you in all areas like there's so many people that specialize in one area like how do you not find a rabbi how do you not find a mentor there's so many people that know a lot more they they focus on one thing but what happens is if someone's an arrogant person be like if I have to study about under someone else that means that he knows more than me you know, I, I know a lot. Like, I get, we're going to go on to this person. You know, like, I, I, come on, I'm going to enter it up in so many different, you know, ways. Bec- the arrogance, the pride prevents a person from studying under, under you know, like a mentor, a rabbi. You know, Abdessa goes and explains this, that, you know, when you have a little child and it learns his first letters. And now they need to learn the ABC, the alphabet, base. So they think they know everything. Like, no, I, I know all the letters. I know everything. Like, do you know how to read? Like, no. But, like, you know, and then the second that the child is able to put, like, the first, like, Few words together, they think they know everything. Like, I know how to read, but you only know how to read three letter words. They're like, no, 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 I could, you know, like, I could read everything. Just, it takes me a long time, but I can read everything. Like, a child at every stage thinks that they know everything. And by the way, this doesn't last as child. An arrogant person thinks like this throughout his entire life. Any subject that an arrogant person knows a little bit thinks he knows everything. Thinks they know everything that there is to know about it. <laughs> you know, like, there, there is, there is, I'll tell you an example. I was once giving a class. And, uh, before I was giving the class, I was talking to somebody. I was trying to convince him to go to Yeshiva. It wasn't working. He was, you know, he had, he had the time to do it. I said, Why waste time? Go to Yeshiva. And he says, No, no, no. I already went to Yeshiva. I'm like, Oh, yeah. I was like, this is a, It was a class I was giving to, like, Baal Tshuvas, the people that were not, you know, like, no association to Judaism. So I was impressed to see, like, there's one guy who actually, you know, came to, uh, you know, and, and went to Yeshiva. I'm like, Oh, so how, how long were you in Yeshiva for? He said, One year. I'm like one year, like you know, one year coming from public school. Remember that? What do you learn in one year? Barely, you know, scratch the surface. One year, like he's like, you know, like, and I was trying to explain to him, you know, like one year, you need a lot more. He's like, no, no, no. He came back to me, he's like, I, I know all the stuff. Like, I know, I know everything. And, I, and I'm like, you definitely don't know everything. <laughs> you know, like, there's no way you can. Obviously, he's like, oh, okay, but I know, I know a lot. Like, you know, like a year, like a year is a long time. You know, I spent you know a year studying. I know a lot. Listen to this. During this year. I'm giving the class, and during the class he stopped me, and there was food on the table, and he's like, he's like Rabbi, what, what blessing do you make on a grape? And I was like, people who know me, like you know my personality, you know, like I sometimes say straight up, maybe I should be more nicer. I try to be nice, It's something that I, and I go and I'm like, wait a minute, like you went to yeshiva for, a year. I, I I I said this nicer than I'm telling you right now. I, I told him what the blessing is. Then I went there and I'm like, okay. You went Facetune for a year. We had this discussion. You should go, you know, Facetune more. Uh, you know, learn a little bit more, and you feel like you know a lot, but you're asking me what blessing is on a grade that a second grader knows what it is, and, and you you don't. So I'm like, doesn't that like, like maybe, maybe something is missing and uh, gaps of knowledge that you have over here. And I was trying to convince him, and he was like, he laughed it off. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, oh, you know, like the bus I make, you know, like, oh, you know, like, oh, I hate, you, know, like, oh if I, you know, like, he even, like, pushed it off. Like, even when it was very, very, it, by the way, he's a great guy. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a great guy. Um, you know, I love him dearly. I haven't spoken to him in years, actually. Uh, but um, really, really nice guy. And uh, I, you know, hope, hope he's going to, you know, be, you know. This nice guy, also in heaven's eyes, and um, he couldn't even be like, even though it was like right in his face that he was lacking knowledge, he couldn't put the two and two together. Like, wait, so maybe I do need to go to yeshiva to learn a little bit more. Like, it didn't like click that he was missing the information. Like, there are some times that we think that we know everything, and I can't tell you how. You know, like, somebody goes, and I remember, like, you know, back when I was living in Brooklyn, and I used to give, I used to give quite a few classes a week, and, uh, you know, so I had different classes, and, and sometimes people, you know, like, the, my guys, they, they went, and they, you know, my boys, they went, and they, they messaged me, oh, what's the topic for tonight, and I say the topic, and be like, oh, I know that topic already, and, you know, I begin to be like, you know the topic already, like, when i When I speak about a particular topic, so I do a lot of research on the topic, as i 'm sure you know uh, some of you may have picked up on and I s- trema- spend a tremendous amount of, like the topic of Hakarscope everybody knows like like it's not i 'm not telling you something that you don 't know, but there 's a lot of information here that probably most of you did not put you know you know two and two together like you could learn from everyone like before i give certain classes i try to listen if i have time i really i love doing this if i I have the ability to do it so if i want to give a class on a certain topic i try to listen what other speakers speak about that topic i I don't always get it because it's very time consuming and i i unfortunately don't have the time that i would like to have to be able to to do that but i've used to do that and even though you listen to one class on it from a particular speaker and then you listen to another class and sometimes you listen to 10 classes on the same topic, every speaker is focusing in it on a different angle and you're able to learn something from every single speaker. You're able to learn something from every single presentation. Meaning that if you go and you feel like you know something, then you feel like you're good so many people how do they go and listen to classes especially if they go online thank you all for like coming into the actual you know live classes but people that don't come to the live classes and they scroll online and they try to figure out which class they're going to listen to but like this topic okay this sounds interesting to me and again granted you're supposed to listen you know learn things that you're interested in but m- many people are like oh wait gratitude you know anger like I know all these things already like I understand it and you don't listen to it meanwhile you're lacking on so much information but what happens why, what prevented you from listening to it was the fact that you thought that you knew everything you already know everything. And if you know anything, then why do I have to bother with it? The, you know Going on this you know, idea of pride, I want to I give you a few sources. And we really have to speed it up a little bit because I really want to get all the information in one class today. So give me a few more minutes and we'll try to wrap it up. But, but before we go on to the final thing, the final area of ungratefulness, I want to speak a little bit about pride because I think this is, this is very important coming to Elul, you know This is something that, that's huge to work on. The, the Gemara and Sotah page 4a goes and says that someone is a, a prideful person and says, if they served Abu Zarah, as if they served idols. Because what happens is when someone goes and bows down to an idol, that, he proclaims that he doesn't believe in God because now he's believing in this, in this idol. When someone has pride, when someone has arrogance, so like, like he gets angry, let's say, for example, at someone and he says, how dare this guy do something to me? What you're doing by saying that is you're showing that God doesn't run the world, meaning that God allowed this to happen. So when you get angry at somebody else, you're showing that God doesn't control the world and you're getting the of this person and not really, like, this is the source. God sent this this issue uh, to you. Again, not that you shouldn't deal with this issue, you have to deal with it, but by getting angry, that's showing that you're upset about that person. You don't realize the source of it all and that's a Kadesh Baruch Hu. So anger, which is associated with pride, is associated with Avodah Zarah because you don't believe in God. And of course, this all ties into atheism, what we're speaking about. The Ramban... Rambam, I'm sorry, Maimonides goes and says that all traits is good to go in the middle. You know, focus on the middle, and that's the part. That's the path he's Not, not too extreme. It's not, not always good to be too extreme. But there's one trait, one trait, and that is that you have to go to the extreme. And that is arrogance. That one is prohibited. You're not allowed to go in the middle path of arrogance. You have to go to the extreme, and that's humility. To be humble. It's not only that. It's not to be, humility is an evil, is to be an un-of. It's not only that. You have to be like, like a, a shuffle ruach. You have to be someone that there's an extreme manifestation of humility. That's the level that you have to, that you have to go to. That's the level. If you want to go and be a grateful person, you have to go to be humble. If you're not, if you're arrogant, you'll never be able to be grateful. You have to go to the humility. The Gemara above page 10b, and also the Gemara above brings out that every arrogant person, every haughty person, they fall into Gehenna. There's like no getting out of it. Like there's so many bad things about pride. The Gemara in Erchen, page 68a, goes and says that saras, right, you know, leprosy, this comes due to seven, seven things. It's lash and hara, murder, false or vain oaths, gila arias, theft, stinginess, and haughtiness. Angerness, the, the 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 pridefulness. You 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 look at these categories of where where it's also interesting. stinginess is up there, right? But we're, we're not going to speak about that now. But you look at the, the pridefulness, like like we're it's on a, such a category. It's such a category that it's on severe severe sins. Like the Gemara in goes down. If a person gets arrogant, haughty, you know what God does? He lowers that person. It doesn't pay to be arrogant. It's not even like okay, I'll pay for. It. No, no, no. You know what what's going to happen if you if you raise yourself up? God pushes you down. You know, like, you, you're not going to be able to raise yourself up. God's going to be like, no, 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 Lower yourself down a little bit. You can't get this, you know, coveted honor, things that you don't just, God will push you down. You know, the, the generation of the Mabel, the, the flood, the, they had, like, material wealth, uh, you know, and pleasure, like, long life. They had so much. You know what they came to, to the conclusion? So, so why do we need God for? Why do we need a creator? For rain? We don't need rain. We have rivers. We have wellsprings. We have all the things that we need over here. So you know what? Bec- the, the very source that they said that they don't need God for, that's what they got punished. They said, we don't need the rain. We don't need God We don't because need- God brings the rain. We have the rain. We have the rivers. We have the wellsprings. We have things that are taken care of. Midah You get arrogant about something, God will push you down on that exact thing. The Baal term also brings down the, the same things what happened by Korach and the loss of possession. Korach was the wealthiest man. He became arrogant. Instead of appreciating the importance, he lost everything. So we see over here that pride and arrogance prevent you from having hakar satov, prevent you from having gratitude. So the step one in this category is that if someone has arrogance, if someone has pride, and again, we all have a sense of this. There's, 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 gotta be, there's a little bit of something in each and every single one of us. And if you have that, then you don't like to owe to somebody else. But once you get out of that pride, once you get out of that arrogance, you can see how much you really need to be grateful to people. Once you go and you realize that there's a Kaddish Baruch then you can start saying, oh, I have to be thankful. If you don't believe in God, then how are you going to ever say thank you to God to to some being that you don't believe in? If you don't go and you don't realize how much someone else is doing for you, you'll never go and you'll never be grateful. And if you're so prideful and arrogant, you're not going to see the good. You're not going to be able to see it. Rabbi Leo I know we're going through a lot of information, so I, you know I'm sorry. I wanted to put this all in, you know, in one class. Really, this could have been split into three different classes, but I really wanted to put this all into one class. You know, this. I, I feel like this is an important topic. It's time sensitive. It, it needs to be put out there. Rabbi Leo Destler goes and brings down that you know every human being has two opposing forces. You have either the need to give, and then you have the need to take. Right, we're takers and givers. If we go and we give, that is emulating, following, God's, you know, the, who is the ultimate giver. And the other drive to take, this is more of a selfish, you know, more based on our, our ego, and, you know, something that we want to just care only about ourselves. So these two drives to, to you know, to give and to take, this is the, the, the core of everything that we do. Now, when a person wants to live his life, like Hashem's will, so he's going to go, and he's going to, and she's going to only give. Want to be a giver to the most extent. When somebody who's living for themselves, for the momentary thrill, for the happiness, for the internal thing, they're only going to want to go, and they want to take. So these two drives to give and take, this exists in every person. The but there's something that stands out. Either you're primarily a giver or you're primarily a taker. Now, you'll have both, the give and take, but what are you focusing on more? What's more present in your you know, character trait? When someone's a giver, explains Rabbi O'Dasler, then if somebody does something good for someone else, like if someone does something, if let's say you're a giver and someone does good, good for you, you will feel the need to repay that person you will see that kindness that, chesed, that that person has to do and you will feel gratitude and a desire to repay the person however if you're someone who is selfish if you're someone that's only a taker then when someone gives you something there's you don't feel any need to give anything in return you don't feel like you can deny the it's like it was like coming to you so if we want to become more of a of like a, to be a more appreciative we have to be more of the giver when we are more of the giver then we can appreciate more when we receive and this is the second part in the second category well we'll finish up the last category I know it's late I apologize guys I try not to go over time but bear with me and we're going we're gonna to rush through it uh, even though I want to dwell a little bit about uh, you know on this we're going we're to finish it off in like a little minutes and then we'll be done um, so the, the final area the final area is entitlement when someone's entitled, when someone feels entitled, I feel like I'm going too fast. I'm not going too fast? I'm not going too fast. I'm not going fast? Okay, good. This is me talking to myself because uh, I don't want to say anything what you guys are doing. Okay, so <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you for that forget, kind comment. Um, uh, so Okay, Let th- let's take a step back. Let's take a step back for a second. Take a little bit of of a breather. The second category. Let's understand the second category. The second category category is when you don't want to owe. When you don't want to owe someone something, and that's why you're not grateful. So when you're not grateful to someone because you don't want to owe, it stems from, we spoke about two different areas. There's more, but we're focusing on two. The two is arrogance. So if you get out of the arrogance of pride, then you can start owing someone. And if you start owing someone, then you can start seeing the good that someone did. And if you start seeing, seeing the good someone did, then you can start being grateful that someone did. The second area that we spoke about is Rav Dessler. And that what Rav Dessler says is that if you want to be able to go and appreciate when someone gives you something, you have to become a giver. If you're a giver, then you can appreciate when someone else is giving. And this really ties into the first thing, because once you realize what goes through into something, then you could appreciate when someone does something for you. Now let's go to the final area. The final area... Is entitlement, and this uh, you know area of of entitlement really is is based off like why do I have to say thank you to this person? I already deserve like like this like I deserve it. Like and, you know a common example is you know let's say my parents they they need to give me my cell phone they need to give me my car they need to give me my vacation. This is words that I hate. Their job. This is their job. My spouse, they need to give me certain things. You know, I've had, i said this example before, but I had people call me, and they asked me to do certain things for them, and their response was, this is your job. You know, like, and, you know, sometimes I stop, and sometimes I don't, depending on what the the area is. One thing that always pops to mind was this. It's still like, it's, the conversation is so vivid in my mind. I for sure said this example before, where I had a teenager call me up, and he wanted me to set him up, a boy with I don't know, He was 15, 16, 17 I don't remember what he was Maybe he was 18 He wanted to set him up with, with a girl And I was like I didn't even Like I couldn't even comprehend like I, I, like I don't know you Like I never spoke to Like I, I couldn't even Like begin to understand What was going on over there And He kept on going And be like No but You know like Can can you help me with this Can you like Can you do this for me And he said it In more of a More of an abrupt way And I was like no, like, you want, like, it's a, you want me to help you do a sin? Like, I I don't understand, like, I couldn't even comprehend, like, my initial thought was the correct one, but I was like, it didn't even make sense to me that I couldn't even begin to, like, acknowledge it, and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to help you do that, like, why would I help you do that? And his response was like, this is your job. I'm like, whose job? Like, what are you talking about? Who's paying me? Like, like I'm not, like, what I do, I don't get paid for. Like, I, this is not something that I do for financial gain. Like, I'm not getting paid for this stuff. You know, like, this is not something that, that you know, like, you're definitely not, you, you know, like, you're not my employer. Like, I'm not working for you. I work for God. Okay, I shouldn't say I'm not getting paid for this because Ganesh Baruch Hu does and, and pays, uh, you know, pays for it. And really, that's my, that's who I work for. I work for our God and I don't work for anybody else. But I work for God and You know, obviously, have to listen to it. Like, but when someone goes and says, "This is your job," and I remember those words, like those words, like rang in my ears. I was like, "Wow!" You know, like this is, you know, like it was, it to to my, it it was just comical to me. It wasn't even like I wasn't even upset. I just found it funny. I found it very, very like funny, like because it was like, "No, this is your job," and he was very sincere. And I, you know, like I, he he may have been really real about it, and I, I don't like I. I explained to him why I can't and why I shouldn't do it and and go on and so forth. But his, his initial reaction was like, you need to do this for me because this is your job. And like, you know, like there's a, you know what's the difference between job and helping somebody? When you do a job, you need to do it. So if I do you a job, you don't really owe me anything. I like, I just did my job. So when he was coming to me and saying, this is your job, his initial intent was not even to, like, Like I don't even owe you it. I don't even have to thank you for anything because, like, this is what you need to do. As opposed to saying, can you help me with this? That's, that. okay, so now you're asking me for kindness. So if I have to kindness, I have to owe you. So when you look at someone who's doing something for you, if you look at them, this is your job, then you don't feel like you owe them anything. If you're looking at it as a kindness, as a help, As a chesed, then you owe someone something. And now, even though you could really go and you could argue on my statement and be like, "Well, I have to lareiach hakomocha." Everything is like you have to have a seashell, So, really, it is your job. Even so, there is still an obligation for the other person to be grateful and thankful for what it is. And when you focus on something that it's your obligation, then you have to. Then you start thinking, "Okay, if it's his obligation, then why do I have to be grateful for it?" If you have a you know FedEx, a UPS delivery guy coming to you. Again, they're getting paid for that. This is their job. But it's nice to go and say thank you. And stop and say thank you. Usually I don't get to do this, you know. but if if I'm able to and the mail lady or mailman go and, and they drop off the mail, I stop whatever I'm doing and I'm like, thank you so much. Like, Thank you so much for coming. Like, Granted, this is their job, but yeah, but you say thank you. It doesn't matter whether it's a job or not, but the second that you think it's their job, you don't feel the need to say thank you as opposed to let's say somebody else did a favor and brought you a package from wherever it is, different part of America, different part of the world, then you're like, wow, thank you so much. You brought this package. I really appreciate it. So we tend to separate things where it's a, where it's something that you had to do for something that you did for me. But in essence, if we look at the broad picture, as you just did it for me, you didn't have to do anything. Then we become more grateful and more appreciative. Now this sense of entitlement that you have to do something for me—the highest level is really between us and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, between us and God. Why you know like how many people go and they they. they complain to God like why isn't God giving me like like I don't understand like you know I've gotten calls where people are upset Like I don't understand why Hashem is not giving this to me Like I you know, let's say somebody for example is looking for money So they tried business. It didn't work. They tried college. They did not work out They tried a job. They tried schools. They tried nothing else I was like, you know what let me try religion like let me try to be religious a little bit So they start being you know religious a little bit and then they realize things are not going be like wait a minute Why is not God giving this to me? I'm doing everything that he asked and I tell them, God doesn't owe you anything. Everything that we have from our Kadesh Baruch Hu is a gift. This is, by the way, this is key. What I'm about to say for everybody that stayed on and listening, this is what I'm about to say is huge, key, probably the biggest uh, you know, part of, of, this, uh, you know, of this class. You know how we're supposed to look at life? We're not supposed to look at life entitled, that our parents need to give us things. Because if the parents need to give us it, we won't be grateful. We shouldn't feel entitled that our spouse has to do things for us. A spouse doesn't need to make us money. Uh, she doesn't need to make us dinner. She doesn't need to clean. He doesn't need to go and make us money. He doesn't go and need to buy me jewelry. Again, granted, you go to the xuba, you go the different things. Okay, fine. You know, we're not going to speak about that. We're speaking about your character trait and your response to it. When we look at things that he or she has to do for me, we will never be grateful because this is their job. And if we say this is their job, then guess What? I don't have to thank you for your job. You're just doing what you need to do. This is not something that you're doing for. This is something that you need to do. We have to get that mentality out of our out of our head. We have to get that thought process out of our head. We have to feel like life is a present. Our parents are presents. Our spouse are presents. Our children are presents. Everything in life is a gift. And when we look at everything in life as a gift, you can start seeing the beauty of life. And you can start appreciating the people that are involved in your life. When we feel like they owe us something, why would we say thank you? It's, they owe it to us. God owes us to me. Like, I keep Shabbos. I keep... I learn. I listen to classes. I do so much things. I'm listening to this little speech right now. Like, God owes me. I have so... God doesn't owe you anything. No one owes you anything. Everything in life is a gift. If we go through life looking that everything is a gift, our eyes will change. Our mindset will be completely different. First of all, do you realize how happy we would be? How happy we would see everything in our life? How appreciative we would be, we would see everything in life? There was a great rabbi, I used to carry two pra- papers on him. On one paper it says, Bishvili For me the world was created. And the other paper was, afar I am but dust and ashes. So one paper is, for me, the world was created, and the other paper is I'm nothing. I'm a dust and ashes. The trick is to know when to pull out which paper. We have to realize and how to look at life. And if we begin looking at life at the right angles, we can see how much appreciation we have. And not only that, we can also see how much ungratefulness we had. So let's do a quick recap, and then we'll open up to some questions. I know we're a little bit over, overdue, and I apologize for that. So we said that there's three areas of where we fall into a category of uh, of of ungratefulness. One is you don't realize the good. Number two is in uh, is that you don't want to owe. Oh, and number three was entitlement. So when you don't realize the good, very simply. Is that you have to look at the blessings that you have in your life, and if we stop for a second, we could see so many blessings, especially those blessings that we didn't, that we don't even realize until it's taken away. So if we could just picture how many blessings God could take away, again, we don't want God and Kaddish Baruch will just keep on giving us more and bl- more blessing, Ad die. You know, that's all we ask of Kaddish Baruch will just keep on blessing us with more. But we're going to go and appreciate everything that you've given us. The other area was we we don't want to owe. Oh, and we broke that down into either arrogance. We have to get out of our, if we're arrogant, we can never be grateful. We have to take out of our arrogance, out of our pride. Huge, huge thing to work on before El. Before, well, we're in El Before our Shishanam. And additionally, what Rob says, don't be a taker, be a giver. Once you're a giver, you can begin to appreciate what other people do. And the final thing is entitlement that we spoke about. Entitlement is something that we feel like we deserve it, we earned it. Don't look at life as you deserve anything. Look at life as everything is a gift. Because if everything is a gift, then you can begin to appreciate everything. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu help us and bless us, that not only that He could should, and will continue giving us the blessings that He's given us, but He should double down, oddly die with blessings upon blessing. but we'll be able to see it. We'll be able to see all the blessings, and we'll be able to see life as a gift, that it truly, truly is. Now we'll open up to uh, the questions. Okay, let me look where we're going over here. Um, thank you for that thing regarding immunization, regarding the allergies. I'm 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 doing the same thing uh, on it already now with the with injections. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I'm seeing an allergist. Okay. Okay, we had a question. That's a good question. I don't know if I know the answer. How do the children born in the Midbar think of food if they've never had man? Oh, well, no, no, no. I do know the answer to that. This is not the people that, this is not the children that were born. These are people that had, obviously, the food beforehand. Uh, that's the ones that were um, that were complaining. Okay, I apologize. I know, guys, you guys spoke about a lot about the freezing. I don't know. Maybe I need to switch internet providers. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. How do you show... Okay, here we go, question. How do you show gratitude and to what extent to someone who themselves is an ungrateful person? So, be, this is a good point because being grateful has nothing to do with the other person. Like, the other person could be a very ungrateful person, but if they did something for you, you have to be grateful for them. It doesn't matter how ungrateful they are. You have to show them the Hakkar Satov. They're going to respond to it like they might not, not understand it. Like, I, I've had interactions with that and, and I'd thank them and be like, why are you thanking me? I'm like, because that's what you need to do when someone does you a favor, you thank them. Like, that's the that's what you're supposed to do. And I didn't want to give them mustard because they did me a, like a you, know, a, you know, a favor, but like, they don't, like, people don't always realize what needs to be done, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't reciprocate and do what they themselves wouldn't have done for you. Okay. Okay. Um... Yes, <laughs> thank you Shira regarding that, regarding listen to me faster. You know, I haven't had any complaints about my speed, so I'm, I'm hoping that my speed is is slowed down, but it could have been taken up a notch, I don't know. Okay, um, uh, next question. When taking on a Kabbalah for Rosh Hashanah, is it better to work on something between me and Hashem, or me and my peers? That is a great question. Listen to this question. Is it better to work on bin Adam la Ben Adam What is better to work on before coming to Hashem? So it's—I don't know that I know an answer that I could tell you off. You know, I, I definitely don't have a source of to say like initially. But I would initially, you know, I, I'm scared to say it. But uh, you know, like initially, I would say Ben Adam and I'll tell you why. Um, when you go and you do tshuva, when you do tshuva Ben Adam Lamakam between you and Hakadosh Baruch then you do tshuva, and then and you know, like that's between you and God. If you did something wrong to your friend it's not you could do chuva between you and God on you could you know yom Kippur, you come and you do all the alchets, you, you did the chuva but if you didn't ask forgiveness for your friend that doesn't that's not complete chuva you have to go and ask that person for forgiveness so there is an aspect to that, but of course, there's there's so many caveats to that because I don't know where a person's holding. If a person's not keeping Shabbos, and then they say, "Oh, maybe I should work on my anger," you know, a little bit. Yes, you should work on your anger, but what comes first is, is Shabbos. You know, like you know, you're not keeping kosher, and then you want to be more grateful. Obviously, great, gratitude is huge, but like you know, keep kosher. Like there, there are certain things that are that are more important. So it all depends really on the person. But assuming a person is all good, again. <laughs> who's all good, who or where we are. But it really have to evaluate on where to focus on. Um but it's always good to diversify. Just like you go to any, you know, you know, investment banker, you go to someone you want to do want to invest something it's good to diversify your things. So you work on, on a few different things. Of course, we have like a focus that we want to work on, but you work on a few different things. You work on your tefillah. You work on your chassid. You work on your brachos. You work on your sneis. You work on, and you work on you know between you and uh, you know another person. You work on being happier. You work on emuna. Uh, you work on uh, hakar tov. There's so many things that you can work on. It's it's always good to diversify and um, do you know spread the wealth. Let's call it. Okay. Next question. By the way, if, any, if I answer the question not to your liking, feel free to like, re-ask that. That's also okay. How can one differentiate if not wanting to be in debt to someone is based on ego or pain that they have caused you and others? Huh. So the question is, let's say someone did something good to you, but they also did something bad to you. So now... You Have a, a You know you're thinking They did something So they did something good to you They did something bad to you Now they did something good to you again So now The question is Why Maybe you don't want to feel So in debt to them But maybe it's not because Of your own ego Maybe it's because of the pain That they caused you And you're like Okay wait a minute You hurt me so much and Now you're doing something for me You know like You know like How do we act with that So We have to really Separate Separate you know, a few things over here. Sort of compartmentalize, you know, different things. So there's a person who did something bad, they did something good, irrelevant. Let's say they did something bad, right? So there's a bad person. But this bad person did something good to you. So again, I'm not saying that Hitler did, you know, gave you a, you know, some, whatever. You know, like, talking about the normal realm of things. If someone who did something bad did something to you, there is the person who may or may not be a bad person, just or maybe did a bad thing, but now he did a good action to you. So there's a bad thing, and that's in a certain category. But now he did something good to you, you still have to have gratitude to that to that person. Now, you may not want to say thank you to that person, it's irrelevant if it's based off ego, if it's based, based off pain, that has to be overcome, be like, you did something good for me, I appreciate it, and I thank you very much. Again, depending on the pain, and depending on the, of what, what happened, like, if, you know, like, like a husband really hurt a wife, and now the husband is trying to go and try to recoup, but the wife will be like, I appreciate what I did, but like, you know, we're not good yet, you know, we're not there yet, like, there's obviously levels of where to go, but, there has to be an appreciation for the good that happened, whether or not that person itself is a bad person or had a bad action that that person has done. <laughs> Thank you, Shirley, regarding the kind of words. A couple more hours. I don't know about that. Uh, after a couple more hours of me, you out of your mind. Um, <laughs> okay. How do we deal with Hashem taking away our blessings? Or how do we deal with the fear of God taking away blessing? Two very Two very good questions, but very different question. So one is actual and one is a fear, and I'll tell you why it's different because there's a lot to be sp- spoke, especially about the fear, the second part of that question. So how do how do we deal with Hashem taking away, uh, you know, our blessing? It, it you know we have to. That's all based on Amuna, by the way. It, the foundation for that answer is is Amuna. That if Hakadosh Baruch Hu took something away, there is a reason for that, and we have to come to the terms again. There's so many different caveats, like, okay, maybe we have to do tshuva, maybe we have to, you know, fix something, maybe we have to focus on this and then the blessing will come back. But putting all those on the side and just dealing, dealing with the issue is that if God took it away, so there's a reason for it. And, and you know, like, okay, God, I may not understand everything that you're doing, but I know that you're controlling everything with the Muna Mitochon. I realize that this is for the best at this point in time, not saying that I'm not going to try to get it back and maybe try to go and, you know, do tshuva or, you know, take on certain things, you know, spiritually speaking, obviously... But the second part of that question, how to deal with the fear of God taking away a blessing, that's a whole that's a huge topic in itself. Because that is something that, that's the negativity, and many people are dealing with this, that it's the negativity of of where you have something good, but you don't appreciate it yet. And I don't know if this is where you're going. I may be taking it a step further, but where you 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 don't want to appreciate it yet because you have the fear of it going away. And once you acknowledge it then you get attached to it emotionally. And once you attach to it emotionally, then you have the fear of it getting lost. And this is very, very common in relationships where some people have a hard time with commitments. And I don't know if I'm taking a few steps ahead of, of, of... I don't know if you guys are following my thought process, but you have some people that, that have commitment issues and that's based off fear of losing something or fear of being too vulnerable. And if they're vulnerable, then they're going to get hurt. And if they're going to get hurt, so then why do we start again? And they, they, you know, they back it up and they self-sabotage and they do different things. So there's a lot a lot to speak about dealing with fear of God taking away a blessing. But one of the main aspects of not getting, losing a blessing is to appreciate the blessing. So while there is a lot to speak about that, there, the basis of, of a short answer that I could give you is, is once you focus on the good, that that gives you more opportunity to keep that uh, that good so to speak, if a person can wake up in the morning and say a genuine maiday but then hit one red light on traffic and begin complaining about how unfair their life is, how does gratitude affect your negative thoughts because it feels like the two feelings are on separate planes absolutely so by the way this is this is like in general like you could be super like you could listen to this class and you could focus on like like super grateful things, right? And you could be in like on a high and then like you stub your toe, you know? Don't ask me why I use this example all the time, but whatever, you stub your toe, you hit a red light, whatever it is, and like like everything that you just worked on just like flushed down the drain like immediately. Like you go from like 100% positivity to like negative a bajillion of like negativity. How dear this guy, he made me miss my yellow. Now I have to wait another 30 seconds and I have to see this hand count down 30 seconds. I'm like, I can't, I'm so late. I mean, you know, like you could literally lose everything. So the trick is to focus on the positive a lot and once you, you build yourself up a character trait that you're always focusing on the positive and you see a lot of positivity, then when it comes to negativity, slowly, slowly you can begin, you know, in, including that positivity in the negativity. Meanwhile, like, so you lose that, you, you miss that red light, but sometimes you're able to stop and you're like, you're in the midst of like that anger. It's very hard, you know, like I, I understand that. But the sometimes you're able to like, like, pause and take a step back and be like, you know what? Like, alright, you know, like, I'm in a car, you know, like, I'm driving a vehicle that is capable of so much destruction and like so much awesomeness. Like, you, you begin, you can begin to appreciate it. So, so the way to work on anything is to focus on the positive. And then slowly that creeps into the negative and things. But like once you work on it, then you can, you know, it's a process. It's, you know, it's a process and it's not always going to work. And sometimes, you know, negativity is going to creep in. But it's our Vita to go and to try to get it out. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.